the word of our Lord from the prophet Isaiah. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and He will have mercy on him and to our God for He will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my way, your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it to bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Indeed, Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. The word of our Lord from the Gospel of Matthew. And at that time Jesus answered and said unto them, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray that through your word, you would minister to us. We pray that you would bless its reading and that you would bless our hearing of it. 
Give us rest, we pray, by your Spirit. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Ever feel tired? Just beat down? Completely empty? Like you've got absolutely nothing left? Jeremy, Andrew, and I knew that feeling yesterday. We were had a, quite a number of flights of stairs to get uh, furniture up and down and boxes of clothes and whatnot up and down to help the Malones move uh, into their new home. And we rejoiced with them. I'm sure we've all felt completely exhausted before. We've, we've come to the place in our lives at times past, perhaps some of us even now, where we feel just completely and utterly empty, like we've got absolutely nothing left, where we feel beat. I can't go another step. I can't take another moment of it. Moments where we feel simply tired, exhausted, worn out. Some of us know that feeling not just physically, but spiritually. You know the feeling deep down in our souls where we feel pure exhaustion, plumb tiredness. We feel like we're in a boat crossing water that we just can't ever seem to get across. Perhaps the waters are rough and we've got waves lapping up against the side of the boat and we're wondering why in the world can't we just get through? Whether or not we'll be able to make it through. Perhaps the water is not so rough. The waters are, are, are fine. But the waters never seem to end. We just keep going and going and going. There's water all around. Will it ever end? We feel alone. It's just us and the oars. And we've got those oars firmly within our grasp and we are clenching our fists and we're just paddling and paddling and paddling. We're beating against the water with all that we've got and we seem to be getting nowhere. We know the feeling. A couple of facts, though, about feelings. First, feelings aren't everything. There's more to life than just how we feel. There is. And how we feel is not the sum total of reality. I remember in an interview once being asked how I felt about something, and my reply probably wasn't very smart, was, well, Indigestion's a feeling, so how I feel about it may not make that much of a difference. Feelings aren't everything. And we can't base our entire life upon mere feelings because feelings come and go. 
If we based every decision upon how we feel at the moment, I suspect that there's not a one of us who has ever given vows to another person in marriage who would remain married today because feelings come and go. The fortunate thing, though, is that feelings do sometimes come back. Just like that indigestion. We seem to have gotten it beat. We took a handful of Tums. And we eat so many ribs again, we've got that indigestion again. But the second fact about feelings, and I want to emphasize this very, very carefully. While feelings aren't everything, feelings are something. They are important. God has wired us as people with feelings. He has wired us with, as people with emotions. In the scriptures, God has feelings. God shows emotion. God gets angry and perturbed. God gets sad. In the gospels, we read that Jesus wept beside the tomb of a friend. Feelings are something. We like feelings. Good feelings feel good. That's why we like to feel good. We like good feelings. We like zest and pizzazz. We like good emotion. But there are times where we just don't feel it. There are times where we simply feel beat. There are times where we simply feel alone. Even sometimes when we're surrounded by people who love us. Which is always the perplexing thing. Sometimes we can have plenty of friends, plenty of family, plenty of folks who are interested in us, who are checking on us, who are concerned about us, and we still feel completely alone. And we feel completely lost. And we feel completely and utterly weary. What accounts for this feeling? Why do we ever find ourselves in these seasons of life? Because like the seasons of life, they do seem to come and go. And they seem to come again later. There are times in our lives when perhaps we have we don't feel well spiritually because there's sin in our lives that's not the only possibility but that is the possibility we probably ought to always begin with lord is there unrepented sin that i'm harboring in my life that i need to lay out on the altar that i need to confess that i need to turn away from is there anything lord as the psalmist prayed, search me and try me. See if there's anything in me, Lord. Because sin will always breed death. Sin always kills. It is a vacuum in our lives and it will suck everything up and give back only emptiness and nothingness. Sometimes sin is to blame. And when sin is to blame, we are to blame. Sometimes this 
bad feeling or lack of feeling that we find ourselves in spiritually is because of neglect on our part. Neglect of those things that we know feed us, feed our souls, that give life and strength to our souls. Have I been reading the scriptures? Have I been praying? Have I been spending time in Christian fellowship? Have I been neglecting worship? Have I been neglecting any of those things, Lord, that you've put in my life to feed my soul and to connect me to others and ultimately to connect me to you? Often, if that neglect is in our lives, we're again talking about sin because there are the sins of neglect, sins of omission, sins of failing to do things we know we ought to do. To him who knows to do good and does it not, it is sin. But sometimes we find ourselves empty and exhausted and we find ourselves completely soul weary because of frailty frailty of mind and frailty of body you know it's possible in fact probable and perfectly okay to feel not so good when you're laid up in a hospital bed and you've got casts around your legs up to your hips and you've got stitches in your face you're probably not going to feel good and there are there are frailties of our bodies that do lead to bad feelings not just physical bad feelings but also spiritual emotional bad feelings where we feel abandoned where we feel helpless where we feel alone We feel just not quite ourselves because we're not quite ourselves. We're not doing what we're accustomed to doing and living how we're accustomed to living and and surrounded by things and able to do things that we're accustomed to being surrounded by and able to do. And there's frailty of the mind that sometimes is at play when we feel alone. You know, depression is not always sin. Imbalances of the chemicals in the mind, the brain, are not always because of sin. We are frail people. We are children of dust. We are like the grass of the field. Beautiful one day and then gone the next. They are frailties of this body and of this mind that sometimes are to blame for these feelings that we often like to avoid. Sometimes it's just life. Life with its ups and downs, with its mountains and its valleys, with its peaks and its troughs. When we get to this passage in Matthew 11, the last portion of Matthew 11, 
we find Jesus first praying to the Father and then addressing the crowds. We find Jesus just after John the Baptist sent some of his disciples to inquire from Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Are you the one that we have hung our hopes on? John was imprisoned. He was in jail. And he wasn't feeling so good. He wasn't feeling so good about himself. He wasn't feeling so good about life. John's inquiry seems to come out of a reservoir in his life of weariness and hurt. Perhaps of fear and confusion. Has all of our hope and everything we've directed our lives toward, has my ministry been a failure? Are you really the one? Because I'm stuck in jail and it doesn't look too good for me. Life comes with ups and downs. Part of living in this world is being affected by the decisions of others and the poor decisions of others, sometimes the evil decisions of others. And sometimes, they're certainly not always, the downs of life are self-imposed. Sometimes by making dumb decisions, which aren't sin. And sometimes by sin, which is always a dumb decision. But life brings with it these mountains and these valleys. Please know, I'm not saying that the normal Christian life is up one day and down the next. Certainly, if we're talking about living victoriously one day and living in sin the next. I'm not saying that. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not justifying that. And I don't think there's any biblical warrant for it. But... In this life, we do find ourselves from time to time weary and just tired. Maybe you feel like that this morning. Lord, where are you? Or, Lord, I know you're there, but man, I'm beat. There's some good news. Regardless of why we find ourselves in such seasons, God is always able to use them for our benefit. The Apostle Paul told the Romans, All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. The good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is, God is able to use it for our good, for our benefit, because God is the master architect. He is the master designer. He is able to use anything that we knuckleheads throw His way and to bring good out of it. Even those things we might want to avoid... 
In my pastoral prayer, you probably noticed I was praying through the Beatitudes. And it's astounding that Jesus says, blessed or happy are those who are poor in spirit, who hunger and thirst. We don't like to hunger and thirst and we don't like to be poor. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. God is the one who hung the stars and the moon. He is the one who told the sun to stand still. And He is able to bring about good from all seasons of life and from everything that life throws our way. He is able to use them to draw us closer to Himself. For He wants us at His table. He wants us to come to Him. And so there are times in our lives where we feel weary and worn, where our souls are heavy, where our hearts hang low. And God says, come to me. Come. Come and dine. It'll cost you nothing. Yeah, it'll cost you everything, but it'll cost you nothing. Come. Any and all. Whoever wills, come. Come and see the spread that I've laid out for you. Because it's for you that this table has been set. Jesus proclaimed, Come unto me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. God wants us to be close to Him. He wants us to draw near to Him. And so He is willing to use the bad of life, the dryness of life, the deserts of life to invite us. Come, come. I know you're tired. I know you're beat. I know you're empty. Come. He's able to use these seasons to teach us to trust in Him, not ourselves. For we don't think like Him. Our thoughts aren't like His thoughts. Our thoughts are so different from His thoughts. Our thoughts are like earth and His thoughts are like heaven. And just as the heavens are so high above the earth. So far that when you think you see it, you've not quite yet seen it. And God invites us, come, trust me. Listen to me. Don't trust in yourself. You can't do it. You can't do it alone. You can't do it in your strength. Come and let me teach you to trust me. God brings us through dry seasons in life sometimes to teach us 
to trust Him even when our hearts don't quite feel like it. And you remember, if you've read the Screwtape letters, you remember Uncle Screwtape giving that devilish fiend, giving his advice to Wormwood, his nephew, his, his understudy. One of the most dangerous things in the world is when a Christian who looks out upon a world where he has no vision of God, where he can't see God anywhere, he can't see God doing anything, where everything in life seems to tell him there is no God, and he trusts God anyways. That's the type of trust in God, the one who made all things, that is able to move mountains that is able to get us to the other side. And God is able to use these seasons of weariness and wornness in our lives to remind us of our natural hunger for Him, for we were made for Him. And He awakens in us that hunger that memory that we weren't made for ourselves. We were made for another. You see, we try to satisfy ourselves, filling ourselves with what can't fill us. We think toys and stuff, fine foods and drinks, that all those things will fill us up, that those things will make us happy. And for a moment, they do make us happy. But the hunger returns. The emptiness persists. For we were made for God. St. Augustine in the early pages of his confession said, You made us for yourself and restless will remain our hearts till they rest in you. We hunger because there is something or someone who can fill. We thirst because there is something or someone who can satisfy. And God's offer is on the table. Jesus' invitation is open to all. Come and dine. Come and find rest. But you have to admit that you're weary. Most of us know it when we're weary. But few of us admit it when we're weary. Jesus' prayer to his Father in those first couple of verses in Matthew 11 that we read seemed kind of rude and a little bit off-putting. Jesus, really? 
I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Then he, he, he says, look, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal the Father. What gives, Lord? Have you just arbitrarily decided who's going to, to be able to see God and who's not? But in the passage that immediately precedes this, Jesus is recalling those cities that refused his word, that refused his gospel, who said, no thanks, we've got life pretty well taken care of without you, Jesus When we read passages like it is so difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom, we say, whoa, what's wrong with wealth, Lord? And you remember the disciples asked that. Well, if they can't get in, who can? And Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. You see, the fact is we've got to come to the point in our lives, whether rich or poor whether tired or happy, where we realize our need for Him, where we realize that we are, no matter how good life is, no matter how satisfied we seem to be, where we are empty without Him, where we are poor without Him. And you have to give up trying in your own strength. See, we're trying to get across those vast and sometimes turbulent waters. And the problem is that those oars we have in our hands with which we are beating against the water those oars just won't cut it. You and I weren't designed to be paddle boats. That's the gospel of deism. That God made us and He equipped us to kind of do well for ourselves. And then He's left us alone and one of these days we'll get to the other side and he'll hold us to account. But the God of the scriptures says, no, you aren't paddle boats. You weren't designed to make it yourself. You weren't designed to beat against the waters and to try to, to work your way through. You were designed to be a sailboat. You were designed for wind. You were designed for the breath of God to blow across your life. God made man in his image. And when he had formed him, he breathed into him the breath of life. And he became a living soul.
You have to give up trying in your own strength because your strength simply won't cut it. It simply won't do. But the Scriptures tell us that if the Spirit of Him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us, then He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to our mortal, that is our dying bodies, through His Spirit who lives in us. You have to surrender to the only one for whom you were made. You were made for wind. You were made for breath. You were made for the Spirit of God. And He can breathe His breath into the weariness of our lives and bring life. Bring peace. Bring joy. And bring rest. The table is set. The door is left cracked. God's offer is on the table. Jesus' invitation has been sent out and open to all. Come. Come and dine. Come and rest. And he who calls us is waiting. As the band comes to lead us in a final song.